Hello and welcome back to In the Open, everyone. I'm your host, Gabe Walsh, and I'm going to be introducing a new series that we are starting. Uh, This is going to be a solo series where each one of your hosts will take, uh, every three weeks we'll take take an episode to just kind of discuss your questions, or I think Jay's got some stuff up his sleeve. Um, Eric might be doing some fishing discussion or kind of anything you guys want to hear. Um, me personally, I'd love to just kind of take this time to answer any questions you guys have or if you guys thought a topic was interesting and we didn't cover it enough and wanted to kind of delve deeper into a rabbit hole, please let me know and I'll um, kind of do some research or just kind of let you know about my experience and what I've heard from other people and uh, we can kind of delve into those podcasts uh, and those kind of topics as we go along. So so I'll be starting off this um, new uh, series that we're kind of running these solo this solo series um, and then you'll hear from either Jay or Eric next week and then whoever doesn't go next week you'll hear from them in, in two weeks from now so what I wanted to start my first podcast off on was just kind of the discussion of uh, the new generation of hunters and what what they're kind of looking for and then our responsibility is as current hunters to kind of bring in the new generation and uh, kind of what we need to do now, I personally, I don't have any kids. I've mentioned that before on the podcast. Um, so I'm coming from the perspective of kind of still very fresh memories of hunting with, uh, you know, my dad, my uncle, and other people who, you know, I respected uh, highly and who were a lot older than me, had a lot more experience. And then just kind of as, as I've kind of introduced some new people to hunting um, and then seeing, you know, I have cousins who are young kind of taking it up or family friends who are young. So I, that's the perspective I'm coming at. Um, I don't have the perspective of having children, and some of you might have that perspective and have uh, some different ideas. So I'd love to hear those. Uh, this is by no means the the lay of the land with how this works, and I'd love to kind of hear your opinions. And so um, if you guys want to uh, just message us it in the open, if you at Gabe Walsh on that, then it'll help me kind of keep track of what you want to hear me talk about. Um, I'm happy to just answer questions. Um, you know, talk about, you know, like I said, any rabbit hole discussions or kind of anything. So um, if you guys have anything you specifically want to hear from me, just make sure you at Gabe Walsh so I can um, keep track of those. And so to start this off, I kind of just wanted to, you know, open up with a story about my first deer um, and then just kind of delve into the conversation a little bit uh, from there. So I've been hunting for as long as I can remember uh, with my dad and, you know, Growing up, I, I spent a lot of time in the woods where I couldn't have a gun as a kid, and I remember I wanted nothing more in the world than to be able to have a tag in my pocket and walk around and, and do what my dad did. So when I turned 12, I passed hunter safety. Um, I had spent a lot of time in the woods at that point, but I was still totally green. Um, so I spent the, the beginning of the year elk hunting, didn't have much luck, but saw some pretty cool things. Um, and in November, it's it's kind of a family tradition that's been going on for, I think, about 22 years now. So about as old as I am, um, where my dad and my uncle will take a week off uh, before Thanksgiving and go hunt deer. Because around here, around the Helena area, it's, it's a lot of drawn permits and the, the deer are just kind of heavily pressured so it's hard to find big bucks and it's it's hard to find deer in general so we would take a trip um east of here into the more eastern montana area to uh go after deer and so i had been on this trip three times before my first season um 
my dad didn't shoot a deer. I think it was my first time. And I, I was never more hurt in my life to go on that trip and not see a deer get taken. So the next two years he shot a deer and my uncle shot a deer. So, um, I was all amped up. I, I was not going home without a deer. So the week before Thanksgiving, we, we head out and I am just tickled. And the first deer that I see, I'm probably going to, you know, pull the trigger on. That's my thought. And so we go out there and it's, uh, man, I can't remember the year. It's got to be, well, now in like about the 2009, 2010 time. Um, and we are just having a brutal winter. Absolutely brutal. Over in eastern Montana, uh, they are having an insane amount of snow that year. I think pretty much on average, you were seeing about two feet of snow. Uh, some drifts were getting up to five feet. So probably taller than me at that point. It was it was a tough year. It was uh, I don't think it got above zero the whole time we were hunting there. So we were mostly road hunting. My dad didn't feel comfortable having me get too far out of the car. I'm 12 years old. It's negative 20 out uh, without wind chill. So we're kind of car hunting. We are seeing more deer than I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, they are just out there. They got to eat all day. It is so cold. Uh, there are bucks running around everywhere, but they're far enough off the road that it, you know, it's hard to get to. We were, it wasn't nice weather by any means. It wasn't 20 degrees and sunny out. It was, you know, the snow was coming down. Most of the time we were there, it was, the wind was, you know, sideways at some points. It was, it was bitter cold. So I went for, through the first two days and never, never had an opportunity. Uh, day one, we jumped a big buck right off the road. Um, I mean, it, this is probably the biggest deer I've ever seen. And it was a four by three, no eye guards, just crazy mass on this deer. Um, I got my scope on it as I jumped out of the car, but, uh, you know, for my first shot, that would have been about, you know, 200, 250 on a deer that's about, you know, it's, it's going pretty good. I wouldn't say it's hauling out of there, but it's running. So, uh, not a smart shot. Even when you're, you know, an experienced hunter, that's a very difficult shot. So I was a kind of a follow the rules kid by the book. And so I decided not to take that shot, um, just because I didn't feel comfortable. I didn't feel like I was going to get a get a good shot on it which hindsight I'm very thankful that I that I had that I it would have been a miserable experience to wound a deer on my first hunt and um either not be able to get to it or uh, just wound it and have it run off and uh, die somewhere so after that we're seeing lots of deer just nothing giving us a good shot um nothing in spots where we could even make a really good stock on it so day three comes around um and I am just kind of feeling the pressure of my first season we, we usually spend about four or five days so we're getting towards the end of the hunt I'm starting I'm starting to feel the pressure my dad's feeling the pressure he doesn't want me to go home empty-handed so we're driving this road and you know there's this we come around a it's pretty much a 90 degree angle right turn um, we'll go up about 500 yards and I'd say about you know about 800 yards off the road we we spot you know something that doesn't it kind of sticks out in the train, so we put the spot and scope up in the binos, and uh, sure enough, it's a little group of deer. It's about five, one buck. It's a three by three with with eye guards, so not a bad buck. Um, wider than his ears, but not super tall, not super wide. But I am one hundred percent in on this deer. My dad doesn't even have to ask me if I want to go for it. The answer is yes. So we we scope it up, make sure there's a buck. Um, and while we're doing this, they kind of, they notice our presence, you know, it's, there's nothing but snow out there. So we stick out like a sore thumb, but it is just snowing. It is, 
it is kind of a miserable day. Uh, it's, it's about negative 15 out uh, with a little bit of wind, probably about 10 miles an hour. Um, so it is just cold, snowing, um, just kind of miserable all around. Um, so these deer pick up on us, uh, sitting there watching them. So they, they get up and they head over the top of this little berm. And down into what we didn't know at the time, but it, it, it's a coolie that drops off the backside. So we decided we were going to make a play. Uh, our time was kind of running out, um, and we didn't we didn't want to, you know, not take any opportunity that we could we could possibly have. So we drove back uh, to where the L in the road was. Took a left. Uh, we probably drove about a quarter mile, and that, that's where we uh, we stopped. My dad and I got out of the truck. And uh, we were going to make a play. We could see the backside of the backside of the berm from there, and they weren't on top of that, so we figured they had to drop down, um, whether to get away from us or get away to, from the weather or a little bit of both. So we start trudging across the snow, and it is just brutal, brutal snow. Um, we are plowing trail. It's uh, it's kind of crusty on top, but not enough that you're not going to break through. It's it's not real uh, real soft snow. Um, so we were kind of breaking our way through, hoping that we're not being too loud to, to bust these deer out. And so we walk probably around 800 to 1,000 yards um, across this field until we finally get to the top of what, what we could start seeing was a coulee. So my dad tells me to, you know, get down, start taking it slow. So we, we creep up, um, just trying not to break as much snow as we can. Um, and right over the top, we catch the buck again. He's got three does. The other one still with the group, the fourth one, but she's kind of working her way around into this little finger off of it that we can't see into. And so they're they're moving, they're not stopping, but they don't know that we're there. They're just doing their thing. Um, the rut's heavy at this time, so actually I, I get down and get ready to you know take a shot. And this buck is just on this doe. He is tailing her, and he's so close. He actually bred her a couple of times. Um, but just not giving me a shot. And this whole time they're working around the finger. And so I'm getting nervous and getting a little antsy, but I, I don't feel comfortable taking the shot, but we're just waiting. We're waiting. And, uh, they actually start to move into a spot where they're, they're pretty much facing away from us. I have no shot. They're walking a trail and they're going to move into the, to, to a little finger. And so I'm pretty bummed. Um, but it, it just happens so fast that I catch some movement out of the corner of my eye and, down in the bottom of the coulee, three does pop up um, right out of the bottom. So right over the top, you, you couldn't see down into the very bottom, but they pop up out of the bottom. And standing behind them is just a beautiful buck. He's a six by five. He's got eye guards. I'm counting those. So he's a he's a five by four with eye guards making him a six by five. Just a gorgeous buck, tall above his ears, outside of his ears with width. Um, just kind of like one of those situations where you work so hard and you spend so much time that sometimes you just get what I'd consider lucky, but but you work for that luck. You put yourself in a good situation. And this buck has no idea we're there, and he's not breeding. He's pushing does a little bit, but they're just kind of working their way up across the coulee. But they're taking their time, and they know the you know the wind's swirling a little bit. I don't know if they you know got a little bit of us, but um, they're kind of they're kind of you know ears flicking, their heads are up, but they're not. They're not antsy enough to run. So I look at my dad and I tell him, oh, I'm, that's the buck I want to take. And he says, all right. So we get down. I'm a, I've been hunting and shooting off of a bipod all year. And so I try to get myself, you know, I lay my pack down, um, get my bipod on it so my gun and my barrel are up over the snow. 
Um, and I lay down and I, I get him in my sights. And keep in mind, this is a time we were hunting without um, we we're hunting without rangefinders. So we guesstimate him at around 200 yards. We, we assume 200, so that's what I'm aiming for. So I get ready. My heart's going a million miles an hour. I can I can barely breathe. Um, it's so cold, and yet my adrenaline is just on fire. So I aim in. He's kind of walking, kind of stopping, so I'm, I'm waiting for him. I hold right behind the back shoulder. He stops, and I take the shot. Now, I'm so jacked up on energy, I don't even see where my bullet hits, but I miss. Not a second later, right next to me, another shot. It's my dad. We both were aiming for 200. He shot right after I did, both missed. I knew he wasn't far, he wasn't closer than 200. Knew he had to be farther. And no rangefinder to tell, just that's all that was going through my mind was a hit low. I eject my shell, throw another one in. I put my crosshairs about probably three inches above the deer's back. The deer took about three steps and they're looking around. They had no idea where the shots were coming from. This time, after the first shot jitters, I'm steady as an arrow. I'm no no shaking from the from the adrenaline. I'm just steady. Hold it three inches above his back. Boom. Shoot again. This time he does the typical hunchback, runs about 20 yards on a dead sprint, and nosedives into the snow. The does run up. They run about 100 yards. They turn around waiting for him. He doesn't get up. And this is about the time that it starts to set in that I had actually got my first buck. You know, my dad turns to me and says, don't take him out of your out of your scope in case he gets up. So we sit there for about two minutes and the deer never moves. And so it finally kind of the emotions of finally being able to first tag hit me. You know, it's, I don't tend to be an emotional person, but it's just, it's an experience that I can't really explain. Um, and it's, it's hard to explain without actually doing it. I'm by no means find any pleasure in, in killing animals. I, I love the thrill of the hunt and uh, the experience of stalking animals. But to me, the actual killing of the animals is the hardest part. So it's the first time I actually had to uh, deal with the, the reality of taking the life of something. Um, and I am so grateful for all the animals I've taken, but especially this first year, and being able to experience that with my dad. And so we get up, get up to the deer. He never moved. He was, he was dead within the first minute after the hit. It was, it was a beautiful shot. Um, double lungs. And we, we got it gutted. My, my uncle met us down there. Um, took us a little bit. Luckily, through the bottom of the coulee was a very heavily used cow trail. And they had beat down the snow. And so we were actually able to pack out the deer on that cow trail. And that ended up probably 600 yards from where the truck was parked. So it, it couldn't have worked out better. Um, but I'm just super thankful for that experience uh, of getting the first deer. When I think about hunting, um, especially as, as a youth hunter and experiencing all that in my youth, um, it's just, I can't imagine growing up, growing up without that. And um just thinking uh, hunting is, you know, something that's that shouldn't be done. Um, especially living here in Montana, it's just kind of a way of life. And I feel there's a lot less pushback uh, here where we live. And I, I can't speak for any of the surrounding states, Wyoming, Idaho, Colorado, Utah, uh, New Mexico, 
Nevada, all the states around here where hunting seems to be extremely popular, um, especially with, with the youth and just with the majority of the, of the population. Um, but some of the, some of the states where hunting is less, less common. Um, I don't know how, how they're raised with respect to hunting, or even if hunting is something that is even a discussion question because it's, it's just not part of their life. But I think it needs to be needs to be spoken, um, it needs to be addressed um, with everyone because there's a lot of regulation that affects the U.S. as a whole that maybe doesn't affect non-hunters but heavily affects hunters, um, especially out here in Montana. For example, hunting of wolves or of, of bear species is often um, looked at in a negative light. And I just know from personal experience how detrimental those animals can be to an ecosystem if they're not kept in check. I, I think they are vital for the ecosystem. They've always been here. Um, they have their place and they need to be here. But they don't need to be here in excessive numbers where uh, they threaten you know, human lives. They could just ravage the ungulate population, the elk and the deer. And also, you know, cattle uh, of the, a lot of our farmers and ranchers here in Montana, they they kill lots of animals every year. So from that aspect, um, I think everyone needs to be educated on, on the importance of hunting. Now, I am I find a very big difference, and as I think there should be, between anti-hunting and just people who don't, don't hunt themselves. I grew up in a family where every single one of me and my siblings uh, was taken hunting. From the time we were kids, we were, we were taken hunting. I'm the only one of my siblings who actively hunts. I have two sisters and a brother. The oldest sister, uh, I guess, I'm the oldest child. So the next oldest child is uh, one of my sisters. She has actively hunted. She's harvested a deer her first season and hasn't taken up hunting since. Um, She's been out a little bit. She's bought tags a few times, but just hasn't harvested any game. And my youngest two siblings have been hunting since they were kids. And neither, neither one of them is, you know, an active hunter. Neither one of them feels like they could take the life of an animal. Now, from my perspective, I 100% respect anyone's decision to not feel like they could take the life of an animal. It is something that can't really be understated. It's, it's not easy, and you'll feel the full effect of taking something's life. And that's the part that I have the hardest time dealing with, but I, you know, some people can't deal with that and just won't, and so they don't hunt, and I 100% respect that. But there's a difference between people who are pro-hunting but don't feel like they can do the hunting, and a difference between people who are completely against hunting. It's the people who are completely against hunting that I think we we as hunters need to try to reach out to and um, hopefully have a trickle-down effect from them to their children because it's hard when many people are passing on the the um, idea that hunting is something that we as humans shouldn't do. Here in Montana, we're blessed with, with the amount of tags that we're able to uh, to get and the opportunities we have. I don't have any friends who don't have some sort of wild game meat in their freezer, whether that be theirs or family friends who, who give them meat. For us, we would much rather, you know, eat our elk that we shot than have to buy, you know, buy cow every week. We respect these animals. We know where these animals come from. 
we do this in a way that is managing the populations, not decreasing the populations. Because I like to say, no one cares more about these animals than we as hunters. We have a unique relationship that we develop with these animals. Not only just these animals as a whole, but sometimes animals specifically. Um, for example, I kind of brought up a couple podcasts ago. I, I hunted elk this past fall. And every weekend I was chasing the same bull. And we were playing the same game of cat and mouse. He had the same harem of cows. And we were just back and forth. I'd bring him in close. He'd move out. We'd, uh, we'd call each other. And uh, it was just a massive game of chess. And I really came to respect that bull in particular. But it gave me a greater respect for elk in general. So as hunters, we appreciate these animals more than people who don't have any experiences with them ever will. We, we have experiences with these animals that people never will. I, I love elk. I love deer. I love to see them in the wild. I love to take pictures of them outside of the season. I love to take pictures of them during the season. I love seeing just healthy populations in the places I'm hunting. And so in order for these animals not to overpopulate these areas and then die off due to starvation or due to predation from the wolf packs and the bears in the area, we, you know, we, as hunters, keep their numbers in check by harvesting a certain amount of game. And we do this in the most ethical way we possibly can, whether that be a bow or a rifle. These animals who die at the hands of a rifle or bow, if done correctly, are, are, are dead within minutes. Within a minute, even. Animals that are attacked by wolves are torn apart where they're alive, while they're alive. Animals that starve because there's no food or die because of, from dehydration because there's no water, they have gruesome deaths. Deaths that take days in some instances. Deaths that take minutes with wolves, but the entire time their, their flesh is being ripped from their body. So as hunters, we take these animals as ethically as we can and give them a, a death that, if, at least if we're providing the death, is as humane as we can possibly provide. And so when educating these new hunters, bringing new hunters in, I, I, I don't think this can be understated. We are no means trying to cause pain to these animals. We respect these animals more than really anyone, and we want what's best for these animals. We want them to live full, healthy lives. We don't want to shoot baby animals. We want to shoot animals that are at the end of their prime to keep the, the population at a healthy age and level. And that is our responsibility as hunters. We respect the outdoors, mother nature, and these animals so much that we want our children and new hunters to have the same respect. We're not trying to decimate populations. We're not doing hunting for the, the enjoyment of killing something. We're doing it to feed our families. We're doing it to have that closer relationship with the world we live in, have that closer relationship with the animals that we hunt, and just, you know, for the experience of being outside. But mainly, and I can't overstate this, for feeding our families. So, when I see anti-hunting pushes from whatever political party, whatever area, it's not good for us as, as humans. We've been hunting since the dawn of time. And hopefully we'll continue hunting until humankind is, is off this earth. And so when it comes to educating our children and our fellow hunters or people who have never hunted and are, are looking to get into it, it, it's important that we educate them on, on why we hunt and our, the relationship that we develop with these animals. So 
Well, while educating the youth, um, hunter safety is a big uh, is a big thing. Um, I, I believe anyone who's not even planning on hunting should take hunter safety. Number one, it teaches you first off how to how to be safe with a weapon. Um, most likely, we're not going to go through our lives without having some sort of interaction with weapons. So, hunter safety will teach you how to safely interact with a weapon. It teaches you why we hunt and and the ways that we do it and and why it is the way that it is. And if nothing else, most people will spend some time in the woods, whether that be hiking, whether that be, you know, camping, uh, backpacking, whatever it may be. And so it's important to know when hunting season is, when hunters are going to be in the woods. But it's also important to know what the perspective of a hunter is, even if you're not personally hunting um, while they're out there. So you can keep yourself safer, um, but also not, you know, interrupt um, people who are out there, you know, enjoying the woods. One thing that I've kind of found that I think really needs to be instilled in, in the new generations or the generation, uh, the people who are coming into hunting is just the, the respect of us fellow hunters. Recently, especially hunting seems to have kind of boomed and it seems there's more people who are, who are new to hunting in the woods than um, there, there used to be. And so I found sort of a, almost a lack of, lack of respect in the woods. Um, and I think that's really important to address. There is thousands and thousands of square miles, millions even, of square miles of land that's uh, available to hunt here in Montana. And even in specific drainages like the drainage I hunt, there's so many finger ridges, so many drainages that no one should be hunting the same drainage as someone else. So I've had people park their truck right next to me um, and hunt the same drainage I'm hunting, even though I was there an hour before them. That's kind of one of the things I want to address with the new generation is just that that respect for your for your fellow hunter. We're all taking time out of our days to, to do this, and we are all out there to have the best experience that we can. And so it's not fair to your fellow hunters uh, to kind of encroach on on their hunt, even if it's a spot that you hunt. I, I hunted a specific drainage as often as I could, but with my schedule, sometimes I couldn't get there till a little later in the morning. And so if a truck was there and they beat me to the spot, then they earn the right to hunt that area. And as hunters, we need to respect the, you know, when these hunters wake up at four in the morning uh, to get out to their spot, it's not fair of us if we wake up at seven in the morning to park right next to them and, and hunt the same draw. Um, and so instilling that, you know, respect for your fellow hunter in the new generation, I, I feel is extremely important. We're all out there doing the same thing. Uh, we all want the same experiences. And of course, there's going to be spots that are better than others. But in hunting, it's it's really first come, first serve. And if you're willing to put in the work to get there first, then you should have the access to, to that spot. And even if it's the better spot, it might not have elk. It might not have deer. It might not have antelope, what, what have you. And that doesn't mean you have to evacuate the area to find a brand new spot. Hunt two ridges over. You'll never come into contact with them. You won't be pushing the animals, but you'll put yourself in a position to be still near that good spot. And if you're lucky, the hunter who's in the spot you wanted to be will push the elk out of there or the deer and they'll run right to you. And that happens more often than you think. So it's just important to instill that level of respect. Um, we're all in it together. Um, so we don't want to be stepping on each other's toes out in the woods. It's There's too much land that people should be falling over the top of each other. 
And so just make sure you're treating your, your fellow hunters with respect. It doesn't matter if they're out of state and, and you don't like that or beat you to a spot and you're not happy about that. It's, it's important that you show your, show your fellow hunters respect. And if people do that, then hopefully uh, you'll get the same respect shown to you. So it's, it's just important that we, we bring the new generation in uh, with, the, with the right perspective on, on hunting. Because now more than ever, there's, there's an attack on our rights as hunters and uh, what, what species we can hunt, what times of year we can hunt. And I, I agree when, when the data is backed by you know, scientific evidence. When biologists are doing 10-year-long studies on elk populations and decide that maybe we try for a season or two seasons hunting one less week, that it might positively affect the population in a way that will help future hunters, but help, help the elk population. I am totally for scientific-based um, arguments that will affect hunting. What I'm not for is anti-hunting propaganda, if you will, that is strictly there because people don't agree that we should hunt. It's just simply not true. And it shouldn't be it shouldn't be seen as anything that has any validity. Hunting has been around since, like I said, the dawn of man, and it is extremely important in managing the populations of all species. If there's no predators such as wolves or bears that will kill the elk, the elk population will get to a point that the ecosystem can't sustain it. Similar with wolves. If if there's wolves are left unchecked, they'll grow to a population where the the species of uh, prey just can't sustain the wolves. So like all things, it's a balance. And we've gotten better scientifically at finding where that balance is. And so we should listen to our biologists and really our hunters. Our hunters are the ones who are out there seeing first person what's happening in these ecosystems. That's why here in Montana, after hunting season, FWP calls every person who purchased a hunting license to see what animals they were seeing, if they harvested any animals, um, where were the animals at, they kind of they get the gist so they can have the most accurate information to manage these animals successfully and to the best of the ecosystem. And so I've kind of jumped around on topics here. And I, the goal of these podcast episodes is maybe to be a little bit shorter, be a little bit more of a conversation. But the main takeaways I want you to take away from this is it's really important for us to bring our new generation of, of hunters and advocates in with the right perspective on hunting. Hunting is done to maintain the population of animals at a very healthy level, but also done to feed the families of the hunters. So as we look at hunting uh, in the future, um, it, it's going to be a fight. It's, it's been a fight the last few years, and it's, it's going to continue to be a fight of the rights of hunters. And it's going to be the fight that the future generation has a big say on. And so we want the future generation to be educated on what, what hunting really is and what hunting means to to us as, as humans, and if not to them, to millions of people across the U.S. and across the world. So that's where I'm going to leave you guys. I just wanted to uh, kind of discuss what where hunting's going and how we want to um, educate our, our new hunters to kind of get them up to up to pace on, on where hunting's going and um, what hunting is. So I hope you guys enjoy enjoyed the story of, of my first deer and just kind of had something to take away. If you have differing opinions or similar opinions or 
just want to say anything, please be sure to reach out to us. Um, it's probably easiest to e- reach us right now on Instagram. Uh, we are in the process of getting a website put together. So we'll keep you guys updated on that. That'll be really easy to access us on Spotify, on YouTube, on Instagram, from the website. We'll also have kind of a forum up so we can have more of a conversation-based uh, open open conversation with anyone who wants to kind of chime in. It'll also help you guys keep updated on kind of what our future plans are for the hunting seasons and for the for the in the open brand. Um, we're looking at maybe maybe stickers, maybe hats, maybe shirts. Um, so just keep your eye open for that if you're interested, or let us know if that's something that that would interest you. And then these episodes will be dropping. These solo episodes should be dropping on Wednesdays, Thursdays, or Fridays every week. So just keep your eyes open on top of our um, weekly. Monday release group episodes. And so, yeah, if you guys have any questions, please feel sure to be sure to reach out to us. Uh, we're very responsive. We'll get back to you for sure. If you have any questions for me or any topics you want me to cover on the next episode, I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. And if you guys want me to talk about something, let me know, because that's kind of what I want this podcast to be is what you guys want to hear. So until next time, keep educating the youth and keep hunting. Thank you guys.